My name is Sarah. And I'm Andrew. And we are the hosts of the Disciples Mike, a podcast produced by Woodbury Lutheran Church in Woodbury, Minnesota. And on today's episode, we are wrapping up our conversation about the the book of John and in talking about how um, these the stories in this book can help us as we uh, grow and uh, mature as a follower of Jesus. So go sit in a boat put us through the speakers. This is the Disciples Mike. Sit in a boat and put us through the speakers. Um, it's also the fact that you started singing. That's a jam. That intro is a jam. Partway through, but you were bum, singing it into bum, the bum, mic. Bum, 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 bum. It's a great jam. Uh, Thanks, the John image, Dibburn. The image that I had when you said, <laughs> put us through the speakers. Yeah. So I imagined a speaker, and yeah. you know how speakers have like the little hole things, like the yep. dots or whatever. And then I imagined, uh, do you, you play with Play-Doh in, as a kid? Yeah. And they have like the hair thing. Yeah. And, like you push the thing, and yeah. it makes the Play-Doh go through the hair. Yep. All the little holes. Yep. And then I thought about putting us through the speakers like that. Like okay. we go through the speakers, but we're like Play-Doh string. Mm. You went to a lot of places really yeah. quickly. Yeah. That's where my head's at. I was so. I was thinking more of uh, up at our cabin, there are these things that we call bro boats. Yep. And they blast music. Yes. Off of the, the speakers. on, And they're boats that have like whatever it is, the, yeah. like the, the rail that goes across the top or whatever. Yeah. Or wakeboards and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm... That's what I'm referring to, but it's like someone learning how to wakeboard, but listening to the podcast. Correct. That's. <laughs> if that's you right now and you're sitting <laughs> in the lake and you're ready to jump up on that wakeboard for the first time, just hear and know we believe in you. <laughs> you can do it. Uh, speaking of someone who has never actually gotten up on a wakeboard, I've gotten up on skis, yep. never on a wakeboard. I've gotten up on skis, kneeboard, and I've wake surfed. Oh, you have? Is yeah. it fun? It is. Nice. It's easier than I thought it was going to be. Oh, really? Because I struggle with wakeboarding. It's the. It's is it the, easier than wakeboarding? It is. It's a lot easier than wakeboarding. Oh. But it's the fact that, you know, when you start wakeboarding and you're in the water, you have your, your legs like you're skiing, so you have them bent and they're like pushed up. Right. But then once you get as you're getting pulled out of the water, you're switching your board from being how you're water skiing to like more to being the like side, yep. side, like you're snowboarding. Yep. And I just could never get the feeling of that down. Right. Yeah. So I could never figure it out enough to switch my body. And I think it's because your feet are strapped in. Whereas when you wake surf, your feet aren't strapped in. Got it. See, for me, it was the only feeling that I could get down with wakeboarding was flipping over the wakeboard and being dragged behind mm. the boat so yeah. you know that's fun i only tried i've only ever tried i think one time in my life yeah a long time ago but regardless tubing is where it's at i you know i was just tubing last week uh for the fourth of july yeah and i went with my cousins yeah and it was great though river tubing is better the kind where you just like sit in a tube and like float on down the river i don't trust rivers you don't trust rivers. i don't i don't trust them that isn't a sentence i don't think you can say no, what do you mean is. you don't trust them i can say it like you don't trust the animals that live within the rivers no i don't trust 
um, the cleanliness of rivers because rivers are always pretty dirty. I don't trust the height of rivers because some points are high and some points aren't. What? And I don't <laughs> trust the amount of debris that is in rivers. What are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like everything that you said was more <laughs> applicable to standing bodies of water than it was to <laughs> running bodies of water. Yeah, like St. Croix River. I, yeah. I will sit in a boat and I will I will float down the St. Croix River. Sure. Um, I actually learned how to wake surf in the St. Croix. The St. Croix. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't. I'm a lake girl. I don't I don't trust rivers. I mean, I I I don't think trust is the right word. Yeah, it is. Whatever. I it's trust fine. lakes with my life. I trust <laughs> lakes with my life. <laughs> I don't trust lakes with my life. And if you are wondering what that's all about, you should go and listen to the Oak Hill sermon from the 9th of July in which I recounted my story where I almost drowned at Lake Superior, which was super fun. So. Oh, have I heard that one? I don't know. Well, you should have heard it Sunday. Oh, but you were with the kids. That's yeah. right. You were summer sparking it up or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, long story short. With the youth, with your youth group? Yeah. Yeah. So can yeah, I tell, that story. let me tell you the behind the scenes story, though, of okay. this story that I didn't, this this part didn't make the sermon. Ooh. How bad is this? Okay. This is really bad. Is this the one about your wife? Part of the story? Mm, no. Wasn't she just laughing at you? No. Oh. No. She was terrified. Sorry. I'm thinking of every other Yeah. Most situation. of the time she just laughs at me. Yeah. I literally, uh, so... Please, hopefully this doesn't get me fired or something like that uh, from a job that I no longer work at. But um, <laughs> As so in being a vicar at Woodbury Lutheran Church. The <laughs> actual scenario of that whole thing. So I was a, a, I was th- in charge of the youth group. We had another volunteer. We had a couple other volunteers and my wife was also there. And then we had probably 10 or we had probably 10 or f- 10 to 15 kids out on the point with us at that time. Uh-huh. So we're all hanging out there and. Um, the ball goes in the water and it's not like an immediate decision. Like let's just jump in the water to yeah. like, so long st- I'll, I'll to recap for those of you who haven't heard the whole story. We were out on the point at Madeline Island. There's a point where you can go cliff jumping long story short. You have to swim around the point to get to the place where you can jump off. If you go on off of the wrong side, um, a kid threw a football in the water. I decided to jump in and get the football. <laughs> the, the waves were really big. I almost drowned. It's a whole thing. Okay. Yep. Uh, but if you want to hear more of the story, ask me sometime and I'll tell you. But the the point is, th- this kid throws the ball into the water, yep. and everybody in the group is like, just leave it. It's a cheap football. Who cares? And I'm like, and I'm the only one who's thinking, whatever, I'll just go get it. It's not a huge deal. And so literally, there are kids. So I'm the adult in this situation. And there are high school kids saying, please don't go and get the ball. Just leave it. It's fine. And I say, nah, I'm going to go get it. And I literally, I say to a kid right before I jump in, like I'm standing on the side and she says, please don't jump in the water. And I say, it was great to be your youth director (laughs) and jump in. That was my line. And I proceed to almost drown. Can you imagine how terrible that plays for that kid if that goes completely different you know yeah so obviously i survived because you know i'm here recording a podcast now actually this has just all been an illusion you've been dead one giant ruse 
four, I'm actually, six years. I'm actually a twin, and my twin was, you know, non-existent for a bunch of years, and then they took me over. So I don't know what. You're actually both that. named Andrew. So the you point just is, go by Andy. He goes by Drew. Correct. So the point is, Sarah, when you say I trust lakes with my life, I get a little bit of like anxiety when I see lakes now. So there you go. Can I? I'll add a caveat. A caveat. I trust normal size lakes with my life. Not Lake Superior. Great Lakes, different ball game. Got it. Is that better? Yeah, I could I could go with that. Okay, cool. Normal size lakes are much less scary than, yeah, than Lake Superior, which just looks like an ocean. It's basically of. an ocean. Yeah. 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 There's that. So cool. how's it going, Sarah? Now that we deep di- <laughs> deep dived into no that. No pun intended. Uh, shoot, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm doing great. You know, since last time we talked. We had the high school mission experience to Kansas yeah. City. Uh, more teens got to experience how bad I am in the mornings. Uh, yeah. And Which a, is just a, a great thing for anybody to experience in their life. You know, it's a bucket list item, really. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, someone called me at uh, last week or Friday at 715 in the morning, and I knew that they were going to call me. Uh, but they called on their way to work. Yeah. And so we had like a 15 minute conversation, whatever. And then uh, hung up, went about our days. And so when I saw them the next day, I'm like, so what did you think of of morning, Sarah? Because it, it's, it's the first time you've experienced that. And they said, <laughs> they go, I wasn't that thrown off by your voice. <laughs> But what got me was your inability to put words together, and you just made noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. I mean, <laughs> which what's so funny is like you and my wife are obviously good friends. Yep. Uh, she is a total morning person. She You're is. like the opposites. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So like Sarah will come over for dinner and then like hang out, and Sarah's content to like hang out until late yep and my wife is literally falling asleep, asleep on, on the, the conversations yeah there have been times where you and i have had a full conversation right. while she's been asleep and then like i nudge maddie like you gotta wake up and then <laughs> th- th- about that time is when sarah starts to get the hint of like oh i should probably go home now you know what I and mean? stay awake for another two Correct. hours someday we're gonna invite you over at like four in the morning and just see what <laughs> happens see how you fare but it was it was the your voice didn't get me, but what got me was the noises. The noises you made, you made <laughs> and your inability to put together sentences. Yep. Super funny. Yep. So, so. how was the youth, the mission experience, Kansas it, City? It was, it was, it was hot. What? It was hot. What did y'all do down hot. there? Hot. Um, we went to uh, barbecue fest at Kansas at the Chief Stadium. Nice. Uh, Patrick Brewer, our high school guy, did was. Did he put this whole thing together? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was living his best life. Yep. He uh, um, was like, I, have, I don't know if I've ever seen him as excited. Yeah. He was head to toe in Chiefs gear. Chiefs gear. Which yeah. was funny given that when he got in the car at our last location, he was dressed normally and then gets out of the car at Chiefs Stadium and he's head to toe in Chiefs gear. Nice. Yep. Um, we worked with, we went with YouthWorks, which is the organization yeah. that I worked for for four summers. And we did uh, some projects around the community. A lot of people, a lot of us did gardening. Nice. With like local neighborhood gardens and things like that. Uh, Some of us sorted medical supplies. Cool. In a cave. Okay. I think I'm not mixing up my service sites. (laughs) Someone was in a cave and someone sorted medical supplies. I'm pretty sure it was the same thing. 
Uh, and I really hope it was actually the same thing. <laughs> this seems like the best place to keep medical devices. It's in a cave. In a cave. <laughs> no one else is using it, so we might as well put some <laughs> medical supplies in here, you know? Really saving money. Exactly. Is, yeah. is it. Why build a warehouse when we have a cave? Exactly. Uh, and we... Uh, in the evenings, we had different activities. We did a scavenger hunt at a swanky mall, uh, which my favorite part about that is that it it was a Kansas City Apple store was at this mall, and it was an outdoor mall situation. Mm-hmm. And so we're walking past the Apple store in Kansas City, and one of my kids went into autopilot and just goes, I was like, oh, there's the Apple store. And they're like, is John working tonight? <laughs> and all of the other kids look at her and go, did you just ask if John is working at this specific store? <laughs> and she goes, it's a heck of a commute. She goes, oh, we're not in Minnesota. And I go, you know, let's call John and ask. Let's yeah. see if he's working. Tonight. See if he's on. And then we'll go in and ask for him. And so then John played along with it and said, yeah, you know, like those pneumatic tubes that they all connect. We have that with all the <laughs> Apple stores. So I just pop up whichever store I want to work it's at. A very that day. John statement. Um, what, what I think would have been funny is if you went in, like you just let it go and be like, I think he is. Let's go ask yeah. for him. <laughs> and then like you all walk in and you ask for John and they're like, who's John? And then maybe they bring out a different John because, you know, it's the name is John. Yep. And then like it's a whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, it would have been funny. But yeah, I think yeah. that's it. Well, that yep. sounds like a great mission experience. Sarah. <laughs> but our kids, they they were champs with I mean, there are some days where the heat index was like one hundred and five. Yikes. And they were. They served hard, and they served well together, and they, our leaders were incredible, because I have said this many times, I think Woodbury Lutheran has some of the best volunteers and small group leaders of any church ever. Yeah. Uh, So that was, that was our Kansas City experience. Very cool. And then I went to my cabin for a few days for the fourth. Fun. Um, And then I came home and was in a wedding. Nice. Yep. Uh, You were there. I was at the wedding. You were not in fell the wedding. Fell down. You did fall down. Very hard. I fell too, but not as. Yeah. Yours was more. It well, seemed I don't planned. know. Yours, yours seemed. Yeah, that's true, actually. Because you were in the party. And so you fell actually coming in during the announcements or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, and but I didn't really see it. And I because I think that we were like looking at, at the next couple or something. Probably. I, don't know. I fell during dinner. And managed to keep all of my potatoes on my plate. I had a whole plate of food. Good. Fell down. Slipped on like a pea or something like that. I'm not really sure. Yep. But I have a giant cut on the side of my arm to prove it. And I got all sorts of questions because I preached on Sunday at Oak Hill. Yep. And, you know, it was very visible. Yeah. When you're up in the front and a lot of questions. And I was like, I slipped at a wedding. And that's not a very cool story. So. But. Here we are telling it on the podcast. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, hey, Andrew. Sarah. It's time for Sarah's random question. I think that was the most seamless transition we've done so far. I mean, yes, but we also like paused for 10 seconds before. That was not 10 seconds. I know. It's fine. I wanted to make sure I got the right button. Good job. Thank you. Okay. It happened again. Did you hear it that time? It is an airplane. I know. There's an airplane outside, but it's like I'm hearing it in my headphones. Yeah. Which is very weird and disconcerting. Because the... the. Do you think that they heard it on the podcast? We'll have to find out. Oh, the airport is right here. Yes. At our Wakota Ridge campus. It makes sense. It's like right over there. It's super close. It's right over there. 
JK, it's over there. Yeah. To, we're pointing it in different directions in case you're wondering. I again, thought it was to my right. No. Nope. And Andrew said it was to my left. Correct. Yep. It's here, there, and everywhere. Anyway. Oh, just like our VBS. Exactly. Uh, okay, so my random question. You seem like one who uh, likes to nap. Oh, I love a good nap. Yeah. Um, are you a quick napper or a prolonged? Like, an, do you like long naps? I am an equal opportunity napper. Mm. I can, t- I'm totally a person who can like, if you give me 10 minutes, that's worth it yeah. for a nap. But also if you gave me an entire afternoon, I could nap for an entire afternoon, depending on the situation. I'm more often though, I would say I'm a short napper person, 30 minutes go. or less. Oh, okay, cool. Is uh, that the question? No. Oh, <laughs> like that's a dumb question. Because I didn't ask you a question. All I said was you seem like one who likes to nap. Okay. Well. There was no inflection at the end. Got it. Uh, so where, in your opinion, is the best place to take a nap? Uh, the place I most often take a nap is on my couch. Mm-hmm in just my living room but uh, that seems like an obvious answer what do you mean what's this is a weird question (laughs) sarah what what else would i say so that or my bed yeah those are the two basic choices in my opinion what else do you where else would i what were you expecting me to say I mean, I'll tell you my favorite spot because then I sh- I think it shows the wide range of I nappable locations. Very curious about the wide range of nappable locations. <laughs> Go. My grandma's closet. What? <laughs> How in the world is that? What kind of closet <laughs> is this? <laughs> it's like your run-of-the-mill walk-in closet. Your run-of-the-mill <laughs> walk-in closet. But it's dark. You You're- can close the door. Just lay, fall asleep on the floor. You know, an entire storyline of Harry Potter was how he had a bedroom that was actually a closet and how that was like cruel and torturous. But it was under the stairs. This was not under the stairs. Oh, that makes a difference. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yep. Well, there's that. Yeah. Um, so there's got to be a backstory. Did you fall asleep in there randomly one day? Is there actually a bed set up in there? No, there's no bed set up. You just go. I mean, we. my grandma isn't alive anymore, so we don't. Yeah. Like we sold the house. Right. Uh, but when I was a kid and into my college years, yep. we would eat lunch at grandma's on Sunday afternoons after church. And then it would be nap time. And so we would all go to our napping Respective locations. Napping locations. Um, okay. My dad was usually on a couch. My grandpa was somewhere else. John was on another couch, but sometimes he would sleep in the closet. And then you would just go in and lay down. And have a nap. Have a nap on the floor of so grandma's closet. Here's here is the that is an odd <laughs> like I like I thought the wide range that you were gonna refer to is like okay, you have the sofa or the the or like maybe a chair, something in your living room. Like basically two spots, living room or bedroom, right? Yeah. Maybe if you have like a, a den or something like that. Uh but then, like, I thought your set, your other option would be, like, a hammock on the beach or something along – or, like, a hammock in the backyard or something like that. Maybe I could see that. But a closet is super weird. I'm just saying. Uh, here's the follow-up question that I have yeah. related to napping. Yep. I had a debate with a person about this one time. What is the perfect napping weather? 
Anything I'm tired in. <laughs> Anything I'm tired in? Yeah. So just it doesn't matter what the weather is if you're tired. But yeah. the, but okay, let's paint a picture here, okay? Yeah. Ready. You want to have the perfect nap ever, yep. right? Because you're tired. So you're already tired. Yep. But you get to choose the weather. You get to choose the the time, the weather. What are you what are you picturing? Uh Rainy, probably sunny, cloudy. Cloudy and raining. See, this is where you're wrong. Okay. Well. The best nap time yeah. is a beautiful sunny day outside. Mm. That there's nothing better. Okay. Why? I, I don't know. It just is. I, but I had a, a debate with a person who was like, who was like, no, sunny, like on a sunny day, you want to get outside and like be outside and stuff like that, which they're probably right. Yeah. But the point is, is it's like, it's just warm outside and it's sunny and it's in, so Sunday afternoon. Yeah. After church, you get home, you have a little food uh, and then you have, then you, you lay down for a nap. This is, this is actually like the hardest part of parenting in my opinion. My opinion. Okay. Is the hour or so after lunch on a Sunday afternoon uh-huh. until it's actually the kid's nap time. Yeah. That's the hardest hour of parenting of the week because you just want to lay down and take a nap as soon as lunch is over. But you have to like be awake with the kids until they go down for a nap and then you can crash. But like anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's this is really invigorating podcast material. You know, people right are probably wondering to themselves, where is the best napping location and what situation is the best situation to nap in? So So if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast and you're we're going to do a poll at this time, rainy weather or sunny weather, what's better for napping? If you choose rainy weather, hit that like button. If you choose sunny weather, also hit the like button. <laughs> There is a poll option on Spotify. Is there actually? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we, I well, could. I was, here's the secret, Sarah. I was just trying to get us more likes on the podcast. Oh, sure. See what I did there? Yep. It's like, it's like on Instagram where you go like, do you want this thing? Yes. Or yes, but in red or something like that. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. You're in social media. You sound like you need a nap right now. <laughs> Sorry to bore you with my with your knowledge of social knowledge media. Knowledge of social media. That is. Can I ask a follow up random question? Sure. Okay. Well, I already asked a napping one, but here's yeah. the here's the random question for yep. today. If you could be set, if you could live your life in any movie world, what would it be? Mm. I thought you were gonna ask if I could go back and live in any decade, and I was about to be like, I asked that exact question on Saturday night. Okay, well, I, and that's that's more interesting than the question I asked. No, no, we'll answer what? your question. Well, I want to know what the decade one is too. So let's um, go quick, quick, fi- rapid fire, random questions. Uh, any movie universe? I'm going with the monsters universe. Ooh, that's a good answer. Yeah. Huh. Wally. That's my answer. Except for I'm a human, <laughs> and it's before <laughs> it's before all the flabbiness happens. Sure. Like when they're just on the ship and it's just real fun and stuff yeah. like that. And before they have like bone loss and whatever. So yeah. The monsters universe is a good one though. I didn't think about that one. Yeah. Would you be a monster in that universe or would you just be Sarah? <laughs> Sarah and the monsters. Taking it. Out. Taking I think it. I, I would be fine with being the only human in a sea of monsters. Um, Interesting. But then I would also be okay with being a monster. I just don't know what type of monster I'd look like. It's a great question. These are the real hard-hitting questions that we tackle <laughs> on these podcasts. If I was in the Monsters University or the Monsters <laughs> Universe, 
what monster would I be? <laughs> so check out our poll. We have a poll <laughs> on Spotify. Yep. Which monster would you be if you were if we were all living in a monsters? Okay, decade, go. Fifties and sixties. That's you can't say which decade and then give twenty years of a range. Fifties or sixties? Sixties. Why? The clothing. Just the clothing? That's, That's how the person responded too when I asked when we asked this question. But then they also agreed with me. So The sixties were like a turbulent time. But the fashion. Oh, so you got me there. And the Beatles. Okay, sure. <laughs> That's such a weird... The fashion and the Beatles. Yeah. You know you can wear clothes from the 60s like today, right? No. You could totally dress like that. I don't think so. Yes, you could. No. Like, I think that that's like a whole thing about like the world that we live in right now is like very just... No one would bat an eye if you completely dressed in 60s clothing every single day. Yeah. I guarantee it. I mean, people might ask questions, but. Uh, I mean, tie-dye clothing came out in the 60s. The Beatles, bell-bottoms. Yeah. Troll dolls. Well, wow. that seems too late. Oh, look at that. What decade would you want to live in? Um, I, I, so this is like, I did live in this decade. Like, I just would want to, I would want to live in the 90s as an adult to see what it was actually like. Yeah. So like, you know, we're 90s kids, right? Yep. Uh, and so like we grew up in the 90s as kids. Yeah. And so you, as a kid, you have like a certain perspective on it, obviously, right? Yep. And so I think that the point is that we look back at like the 90s with more nostalgia or something or it like the world, it probably was like there was just as much garbage going on in the world in the 90s as there is for us that we deal with now or whatever mm -hmm. but the 90s seemed like simpler because we were kids or whatever so i want to go back to live in the 90s just to see what it was actually like to be an adult in mm. the 90s does that make sense yeah like and i think that like you could use the same logic for really whatever decade you grew up in type thing yeah so the 90s would okay be my answer great all right. Speaking of another decade that is not the one that we are currently living in. What a great transition. What are we talking about today? That's okay. My friend. <laughs> Hold on. Stop. Can we recap <laughs> your, your transition here? You said, speaking of another decade that we're not currently listening or living in. And then you just <laughs> asked me a question. Usually you have to say, speaking of, and then you have to say, like, Today we're talking about this, aren't we, Andrew? You know, but you just like <laughs> there was not an actual transition there. It was just speaking of a, a thing. Here's another thing. Hang yeah. On. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> Andrew needs uh, a second to regain his composure. I need a nap, is what I need. And regret um, and change all of his life choices yeah. that led him to this moment. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. What we're talking about today is uh, so as you know, we've been in the. Uh, summer long sermon series of uh the gospel of john going yep. through two sets of sevens uh is what i've kind of started off all of my sermons with recently um set of seven being the seven i am statements that jesus makes these statements about himself um that reveal a little bit of the character of god and that connect him to god's kind of identity um so the the with the bigger point being that he is making claims to be the son of god in all of those um, and then the other set of seven is the seven signs, miracles, wonders, however you want to phrase them, 
that are recorded in John's gospel, because there is only seven that are recorded in John's gospel specifically. Um, but the thing that, and so we have spent the last two episodes talking about those two sets of seven. Today, we are going to talk about the bigger purpose, uh, which has been sort of the subtitle, if you will, of this sermon series, which is the that you may believe uh, is the subtitle, um, which really gets to the purpose of the book of the Gospel of John. And John actually says the purpose of his book, which is kind of what's cool about it, is like when John is come is sort of wrapping up his writing or whatever, he um, it's literally in my Bible is says purpose of the book, you know, as the uh, as a thing. So Sarah, do you have it open over there of what the purpose of the book is? No. You don't. <laughs> I thought you opened your Bible. You grabbed I your did. Bible mid-sentence there, and yeah, I was like, oh, open. she's getting ready to like... It's open up to John 8, which isn't right. Got it. Yeah. John chapter 20. See, now if you let me get there, then I can read it. There you go. John chapter 20, verse 30, for those of you who are wanting to open up your Bible at home, unless you're out on the boat, <laughs> putting us through your speakers and don't have your and Bible up, with you. But if you have it on your app, you can open up to that part of your app as well. John 20. Starting with verse 30. Starting with, oh, hey, look at that, the purpose of the book. See? Look at that. How about that? That's crazy. Uh, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So what I think is interesting about that phrase, and I we actually haven't, like, dug deep into this uh, a lot with the the sermons that I've heard from our various campuses. Uh, but the the idea that um, John actually admits, this is one of my favorite things. He does it here. He also does it at the very, very last line of the, of the gospel. But he like admits that there's other stuff that I could have written in the book, right? So it's kind of interesting. There's only, there's only seven signs in John's gospel. Other gospels have more mm -hmm. signs that are recorded um, from a quantity standpoint and also other ones that John doesn't record. Um, but John like is pretty straightforward. He's like, these were very deliberately chosen is kind of the idea here, right? Um, so these are the ones that are written so that you may believe. So these seven things that I chose wasn't because I couldn't remember the other ones, but like, the fact is that they were all chosen for a very specific purpose, um, which is, I think, gets to the real, like, I don't know, the the point of John's gospel overall. And I think that's why I've tried to really keep that in mind as we've kind of gone through this series is, like, always pointing to this reality. So when John writes his gospel, he writes it with a very specific intent, very specific purpose, and keeping that in mind as we read whatever it is we're reading mm -hmm. in John's gospel, because it all drives sort of towards that point. But Sarah, the question that I was going to ask you, um, what do you like, what do you think about that thesis statement or what's kind of like, what, what are, th what's something that kind of comes to mind knowing that I'm just asking you this for the first time on recording or on air, you know, um, when you say these are written that you may believe or continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you have life in the power of his name. Like what's the, what's the ideas that come to mind when you hear that phrase? I think that we, that we as a people need, maybe not need, but we want 
evidence of things in our lives. So we want evidence of if I do this, then this will happen. Or if I learn this, then I can do this. Or uh, those types of things. And when you look at the other things, the, the miracles and the I am statements in the book of John, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that you can, um, it covers all of the things, like all of the big things that you might experience in your mm. life. Yeah. Of, of sickness, of death, of um, feeling lost, of hunger, of hunger, of all of these things. Needs, yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and the, these things that happen in John show us that there is nothing that God, um, there is nothing that God can't fix. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that God can't do. Um, and that the things that are outlined and not just in John, but in, in the book, in the Bible in general is, is that it shows us that the things that people struggled with during the times of the old and new Testament mm -hmm. are still a lot of the things that we're struggling with yeah. today. And uh, there's comfort in that knowing that these things we're experiencing, we're not, we're not the first people to experience this. We're not the first, um, person to to lose someone to right. wrestle with their identity to need to be encouraged that they're doing the right thing all of this stuff right. but instead we join um a chorus not chorus we join uh generations that have gone before us that have also dealt with this stuff and yeah. that god has has been with them every step of the way and and so being able to read these things that are laid out in john um i think it's god saying this stuff is written down so that you can see that, that God is with you, mm -hmm. that you aren't alone, that there is comfort for you in these words. Um, and it's also the reminder that Jesus is bigger than it all. Yeah, right. And that he is the Messiah, that he is the I am, that he is yeah. fill in the blank. And John shows us that. Yeah, and I, I what I've loved about about how, I mean, this is just what we do in the church, really, uh, with our, like, sort of regularly, but with this sermon series, it's really, for some reason, like, hit home a little bit more for me, the fact that we have an Old Testament and a New Testament reading, and how much all of our Old Testament readings have, like, been in line with, or, like, been, like, so connected to our New Testament readings, right? Yeah. So, like, just the, the most previous two examples that I'll bring up are when we've we did you know the the feeding the five thousand in John's gospel, we connected it to in Exodus you know Jesus or a uh, uh, God feeding the Israelites manna in the in the desert right, mm -hmm. um, and then in uh, when we did the um, I just preached on this on Sunday I'm blanking on it now but we connected Jesus walking on water to this I and this idea of fear to uh, Deuteronomy is what it was, uh, where Moses is telling the people, like, don't be afraid for I am with you. Mm -hmm. And like that connection of that peace that Jesus says, I am is here and how we connect it to the Old Testament and say, God has made those promises that he is with us and never forsake us. And so as you're talking about these generational things, we have not just connected it to, oh yeah, we're kind of the same as the people that are in John's gospel, but we've also been connecting it to and we're also sort of the same as those Israelites in the desert or yeah. Moses standing in front of the burning bush or 
um, all of these Old Testament experiences. So it's like you have, which is centuries and centuries before even Jesus was there, right? So you have kind of not just one or two connection points, but three or more kind of connection points between all of these different things, which mm-hmm. kind of point to this this shared human experience, so to speak, um, that we've all had across, you know, many, many, many generations, as you uh, have mentioned. And so, yeah, the idea that the I am is with us through that is an incredibly powerful and incredibly um, cool thing. Yeah. Uh, and so what what we kind of wanted to, where we kind of wanted to direct that today um, was to actually, so talking about the purpose of the book, um, you know, any good Bible study, you kind of got to look at what's also happening around mm-hmm. uh, what's being written, right? Because even if it's not directly in line with the story, because this is obviously a line that John is so- sort of like, he's stopped telling a story now and he's like directing his attention towards you as the reader, right? Mm-hmm. When he says the purpose of this book is this, it's like, okay, we're not talking about Jesus said this. It's like just, I, John, am now telling you this is the purpose of the book. But even still, it's really interesting to see exactly where he puts it in this book because mm-hmm. you would almost read this and say, oh, this must be the last line of the book. Well, there's a whole other chapter that happens after this. But where he places it is right after um, the scene where Jesus appears to Thomas, right? And mm-hmm. so we're, we already did a whole show uh, earlier about kind of the, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and sort of the differences between them. And things along those lines. And I think we talked a little bit about uh, what happens in 21 from John's gospel, and we talked about what happens in Luke's gospel. Uh, but John's gospel really focuses in on this appearance to Thomas, and it's like all of 20 kind of sets it up almost. So, you know, you have the resurrection account where Jesus appears to, or where there's the empty tomb first, and mm-hmm. then Jesus first appears to Mary Magdalene and um Throughout all, and then he appears to his disciples, and throughout all of them, there's this real sense of control that you get on Jesus' behalf. Like it's Jesus who's actually opening the eyes of the people who see them, right? It's not until Jesus says the name Mary, in, and this is only kind of John's, John's the only one that kind of gives this detail, but it's only then that Mary finally understands, like, wow, it's Jesus. Until then, she thinks it's. It's the gardener, right? Yep. Um, and in John's gospel, when he appears to the disciples, it says that they're there on the Sunday evening, and Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side, and they f- were filled with joy when he saw the Lord. And then he breathed on them eventually. He says, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So there's this moment with the disciples as well, where it's like he shows them, he breathes on them, that's when they get it. That's when they like realize what's actually happening, right? Because when they see the empty tomb, they still don't get it, right? They go away and they're like, they're all, it's just like, that's it. Like they see that, they see the, they see, uh, here, let me just go back in verse eight. The disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and uh, he saw and believed. For until then, they hadn't understood the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Th- but then they just go home, right? So they mm-hmm. they get it. They get that he's alive, but they don't get what it means, right? Um, and so they go home. They're like, great, he's alive. And then they go home. And it's like, well, what were you supposed to do? You're supposed to go tell everybody, right? 
Um, and it's not until Jesus gives them this sort of commission that they all of a sudden like get what they're supposed to do. Um, and then there's this whole account with Thomas, and this is what's kind of the cool, the cool thing that sets up the purpose of the book. Um, so maybe Sarah, if you have it open, I do. Would you just read? Let's just read the whole twenty-four through twenty-nine. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it says one of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, "We have seen the Lord," but he replied, "I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands." Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So, like, you read this, and if you really, like, slow down and think about each detail, it's, it's, there's so much that's, like, happening in here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, Sarah, if I, if I were to talk about Thomas, what's the, like, most, what's the nickname that Thomas gets or that's the most, like, like in the church? What's his nickname? Go. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Exactly. Right. So like everybody thinks it's Doubting Thomas. And I've heard I've I've actually heard that a lot recently preached pretty well in the sense or like talked about in Bible studies where they're like everybody gives Thomas a bad rap for being, you know, Doubting Thomas. And he just wanted like more more proof or something along those lines. Right. Which is which is good. And that's true. You know, Um, but what's actually fascinating, like think of it on an even bigger, more meta type of a level, right? Um, Do you think Jesus could have picked a time to appear to all of his disciples at once? Yeah. And not left Thomas out? For sure. Right? He's Jesus. And so, like, Jesus is very much so, like, he's doing it on purpose, right? So we always think of it from Thomas's perspective, like, Thomas should have just believed or whatever. And it's like, well... There's something bigger happening, I think I feel like, with Jesus here that he's like, I'm gonna not appear when Thomas is there, probably so that all of this can happen. And so again, we're feeding into this whole idea of these things are written so that you may believe, or from Jesus' perspective, all of these things happened in this way so that you may believe, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then even further than that, let's take that idea even deeper. Okay, so why was Thomas not there and why do we need to record this? When Thomas first comes back and says, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hand and put my fingers and place my hand in the wound in his side. Like the whole idea is to introduce someone who's just a skeptic, right? Mm-hmm. Like this this idea that that I need proof, I need scientific evidence or whatever. Yeah. And like we have so many people that are like that today. Uh, and I think it's a huge, it's a big trip up that we have for a lot of people in our world. It's like, well, I don't believe in a guy raising from the dead. I, I'll believe it when I see it kind of a thing, yep. you know. Um, but fast forward to the end of what Jesus says, you believe because you've seen me, blessed are those who've seen or who have, uh, who believe without seeing me. Like the whole purpose that this whole encounter is happening is like for this reason, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to, to understand this uh, uh, better, right? Um, but the thing that is so cool about the account is notice this detail. Um, what is, verse 28, what Thomas says 
when he actually sees Jesus, when he actually puts his hand, you know, in the nail holes and things along those lines, he is the only one and the first one to actually make the confession, my Lord and my God. Those, that two-part confession, right? Mm-hmm. He says, my Lord and my God. Everybody else, go back to when, he, when they see the disciples, it is uh, they, they're, over, they're filled with joy because they see the Lord, right? But they don't make a confession. They don't say that he's God, right? Mm-hmm. They just say, oh, good. It's, it's like a reunion for them, right? Oh, Jesus is back, yeah. right? Um, which is obviously uh, joy. Even Mary, when she first sees Jesus in the garden, yeah. says, you know, Rabboni, right? She says, teacher. So she is also not making this like confession, right? Mm-hmm. Thomas gets a lot of like flack for being quote unquote doubting Thomas. Um, but it's not even that he's like skeptical Thomas. It's not even that he is uh, whatever. The Thomas is just, Thomas is uh, the first one actually to make this connection, to make this, co- this whole thing happen. And if you look at, if you look at, at it from the perspective of what's Jesus doing here, it's fascinating to me to think about Th- Jesus intimately knows Thomas, yep. right? He's one of the 12 and he almost, it's almost as if Jesus like picks the time to mm. visit the disciples when Thomas isn't there because he knows this is all going to go down, mm. right? And that Thomas out of all of them is going to be the one who's going to be able to make the connection and say, my Lord and my God, yeah. instead of just saying, wow, Jesus is back. Like, that's great. You know? Yeah. Um, and so like, in some ways, that makes Thomas like this incredibly special type of person, mm. right? Um, so I don't know. Any thoughts on that to follow up? That you seems like, like the, the opposite of how we always view Thomas. Yeah. That because he wasn't there, it was a not like a I wasn't invited to the party situation. Right. But you wouldn't think that he would be up there in like the favorites of Jesus because he wasn't there the, f- the first time around. But the way you phrased it, like that makes sense that right. he, uh, maybe he was one of the closer ones to Jesus yep. and Jesus knew that he could make, not like make a teachable moment out of him, sure, right. but use, he knew how Thomas was going to react. Right. And so he wanted to give, um, it's the word I'm looking for. He wanted to give either like space mm-hmm. or freedom mm-hmm. for other people who also needed that in that moment. Right. And, and, and that's exactly like, like there are people out there who are like Thomas's, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they are the ones who, um, quote unquote, like I want to see proof or whatever. Yeah. But the, the, f- the flip side of this is like, keep going just the next verse what so like thomas makes this incredible confession right and it's funny because you so you look at matthew's gospel there is a very similar in matthew 16 i believe it's 16 i'm pretty positive it's 16 where peter you know it's the whole uh, account where jesus asks his disciples who do people say that i am they say everybody says you're an apostle or john or that you're excuse me john the baptist or a prophet or something along those lines and then jesus says no 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 okay great who do you say that I am? And Peter makes this confession that is this, you know, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living, uh, of the living God or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he makes that 
this same type of a confession when Peter says it, mm-hmm. Jesus praises him, right? Yeah. Uh, or praises his answer, not praises him, but praises his answer. You know, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Holy Spirit has revealed this to you. Yeah. Uh, is exactly how it goes there. Well, Thomas doesn't get the same treatment, right? He doesn't say, wow, Thomas, thank you for making this incre- that incredible thing, or blessed are you, uh, Thomas, because you've made this connection or something like that. Instead, he says, Jesus turns to him and says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Yeah. And so what is fascinating is that this is for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Jesus takes it and like if I'm reading it and I'm and I'm a Thomas type and I say I can identify with Thomas in this whole thing, I got my proof and I can make this confession, right? Mm-hmm. But if I'm not a Thomas type, right? This whole idea that blessed are those who believe without seeing is like us it's every single one of us right and i think that this is what's so beautiful about what john is doing because again we're all driving towards this point of um of why is the book written right Mm -hmm. um and it's like the the whole orchestration of events that's happening here is so that for this point blessed are those who believe without seeing me right because that's all of us yeah we have not been able to see the resurrected Jesus. There is very few in history who have seen the resurrected Jesus. Like, think of it. I mean, he makes a lot of resurrection appearances, sometimes over 500 people in the 40 days that he's there. But historically, right? Yeah. There's 40 days in history that Jesus is appearing to people, you know, out of however many days there have been in the universe or uh-huh. in, the, in the history of the world, right? And so for us who live in, you know, 2,000 years after this all happens, zero people on the earth right now have seen, like, the resurrected Jesus appear to them, Mm. right? And so every one of us are in this boat when we say, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. We're all in this boat. And so this whole idea that Jesus is orchestrating all of these events so that we can believe and that John is outlining them just like this. It's like John is feeding us walking us right to his conclusion. Yeah. Right? Because the way he records it is, twenty verse 29, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Verse 30, the very next verse, there's a lot of other things that happen, but these are written so that you may believe. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like John is screaming at his reader, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, even though you don't see him. Right? Yeah. And so we're all in this kind of in that kind of boat, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's what's beautiful about John's gospel in that way, is that he drives it towards that, right? And then this this account with Thomas is like even more making it just sing off the page that yeah. you would believe um, that Jesus is who he said he is. And I think it's interesting too that uh, so like this is verse like 20 verse 30, but then there's still one more chapter Mm -hmm. of, of John. And then John ends with repeating the same thing Mm -hmm. of Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Yeah. Um, and so what I think is interesting is that I think sometimes we forget that the things that are contained in the Bible are only, they only touch the surface mm-hmm. of all of the things that happened. 
like not just in the New Testament and not just with with Jesus and the miracles and all of that stuff, but even in uh, the Old Testament, that the stuff that's mentioned in these books mm-hmm. only begin to skim the surface yeah, of right. the story. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I and I I love, I love even just going one more verse back to uh, of that of the this, this it says this disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that this account of these things is accurate, right? Yep. And so, like, th- the idea being that, like, these stories, these accounts, these realities that happened, like, yeah, we didn't see them. But, like, the job of the apostles, the job of, of disciples is to go out and tell, <clears throat> excuse me, to go out and tell people, right? Yeah. And so, like, John is saying, I wrote this book for this reason, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, like I am an eyewitness of this. Yes, you didn't get to see it, but I'm writing them down so that you would know it and believe it, right? Yeah. And um, this is the history of the church, you know? This is what we have passed down. I mean, you, go, you could even go back even further in, in John 21 and talk about how um, the community of believers starts to tell people around... Uh, around them and stuff like that go back to what jesus tells his disciples um receive the holy spirit if you forgive anyone's sins they're forgiven if you do not forgive them they are not forgiven Mm -hmm. he is sending them out right go to matthew 28 the end of his gospel right go and make disciples of all nations yep the job of a disciple it's very clear from all of the gospels the job of the disciple is to go out and tell the story right because jesus has already done in the fullness of time Mm -hmm what he is going what he is going to do right he has already come and been died and resurrected that happened um and then you know while we wait for him to come again we tell the story right we tell the account and we that's why it's so important for us to know scripture and to know it well to be able to hand down to our children Mm -hmm. and our children's children and to a community of believers that are outside of the faith or or, uh, excuse me not believers but people who are outside of the faith this is what the testimony of the living God is. You know, this is how he makes good on his promises from Exodus, from Genesis, all the way to through, you know, Revelation and then into our own lives as well. Yeah. Right? Um, and so I think that that's what is so cool about, they call him St. John, you know, the evangelist. Like his whole purpose is on display. And um, and I think that we step in line with that. And yeah. that's, what's, that's what's, I think, incredible about this is like, you and I get to do the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, like, as we think about what's the purpose of this podcast, yeah. right? We we talk about what it looks like to be a disciple, right? And what, you know, what it looks like to be a disciple in everyday life. Um, and the I think sometimes we get caught up in the idea, in the fact that, like, we need to know, like, that we're not qualified to... To, to speak the truth, right? Or we're not, we don't have enough of the answers mm-hmm. to like witness to people around us in our daily life or whatever. Yeah. Um, and like the the reality is, if you look back at it, just looking back at um, the very, the the very, well, this verse 25 in John uh, 20, the, the first thing that happens with the account of Thomas is that the 12 disciples go to, or the the other, the other of the twelve. So that's doing math now. Judas is gone. So the ten yeah. <laughs> go up to Thomas. Yep. And the only thing that they say is, "We have seen the Lord." Right. That's it. 
That's as simple as their testimony is. Yeah. And like we can have as simple of a testimony as that to people. Yeah. Right. Like we have seen the Lord. Yep. Um, and we know we've seen it because it's been handed down to us through the church, through generations and generations and generations. Um, and if we can just testify that, that should be enough. Like the Holy Spirit works, you know, mm-hmm. outside of that. Um, and so it's not it's not an excuse to say, like, don't do your homework and don't do your study of the Bible or whatever. But like, man, if you are wondering how you can be a disciple and like how to do it in daily life, it's just simply speaking that. Yeah, I believe these things. Right. John's account was written for me and I believe it. And I s- tell somebody else about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and simply that starts conversation. And yeah, you probably don't have every answer. I don't have every answer. You know, we don't have every answer to every question that yeah. might come up. Um, but that's not the point. The mm-hmm. point is belief, right? And the point is like John did it with seven signs, seven miracles, and he did it with seven I am statements. Yeah. And so simple as that, like we can do the same thing, right? And let the Holy Spirit work. So. And maybe that's how we wrap up our discussion on John. Um, because next week's episode is, or not next week's, our next episode mm-hmm. is uh, kind of a recap of the season and the season finale for, for season two of this podcast uh, with a special surprise in it because that's how you get people to come back. It's called a tease, people. It's called a tease, so you won't want to miss that. Uh, but what we want you to hear is that... Uh, Sharing your faith and going out and, and talking about Jesus um, isn't a scary or intimidating thing. Mm-hmm. We have seen kids do it. We've seen teenagers do it. We've seen um, all these different groups of people do it. And and so maybe this this week, over the next few weeks, find people that, that you can just have a conversation with that just says, I have seen the Lord. Yeah, and I believe. And I believe. Bye. See you guys.